Well, good morning, church. So excited you guys are joining us today, whether you're here live in the building or watching online right now. If you have your Bible um, or your Bible app on your phone, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 5 in the New Testament. Mark chapter 5. We also, as always, will put verses up on the screens for you. Um, and as you get there, let me just kind of fill you in, give you a little recap on what we've been talking about. Uh, we're in part three of this fall series called Spiritual Warfare where we've been talking about this unseen um, spiritual world around us that also affects the physical world that we live in. And you can watch um, any past messages. If you've missed any messages in series, you can watch by going to our, our website at spcnazarene.com, or you can go to YouTube, and you can type in um, South Portland Naz. But here's a quick recap of what we've been talking about. In, in week one, we looked at the reality of spiritual warfare that there is this unseen spiritual war that's happening all around us and that we need to be prepared for battle, not with earthly weapons like fighter jets and submarines and tanks, but with spiritual weapons like prayer and putting on the full armor of God and studying the word of God. The word of God is, is a weapon in our hands. You know, it's a sword of the spirit. And then last week, we looked at the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we discovered that when Jesus rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven, he promised that the third person in this trinity of God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would come and live in us as followers of Jesus, and it would empower us and, and, and equip us into becoming the people that God is calling us to be. And we learn the Holy Spirit can actually give us victory over sin in our lives, that we don't have to be a prisoner to sin, but that we can actually live a life of holiness. Next week, we're going to examine the role of angels in our lives. But today, on this week, you know, leading up to, to Halloween weekend, um, we're going to kind of look at a darker and a little bit creepier topic. Today, we're going to talk about Satan and his demons. And so, as we unpack this topic, let's look at this interesting story. It's fascinating. It's found in, in, in the book of Mark, chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. And here's what it says. It says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart. He broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So, so here we see a guy who is actually possessed by a demon, and he's, he's so strong. He has such a supernatural strength and power that even chains can't hold him. This was, this was one bad dude. He was so strong, no one could contain him. And people in the community around him, they lived in fear of this guy. Verse 5 says this, it says that, that night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. I find that verse really fascinating because do you guys recognize something? Here we are 2,000 years later, and what do we see a lot of people do today who are hurting, who are struggling, who are dealing with some issues in their life? What do they do sometimes? Yeah, cut themselves. It's a growing epidemic, especially among many young women. So why is he hurting himself? 
Because the mission of our spiritual enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy us. That's the mission of our enemy. Verse 6, when, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And if you'd like to read the rest of the story for yourself later today, I mean, it's, again, it's fascinating. Jesus casts out this evil spirit. And this demon reveals himself, and he says, hey, I'm not just one demon. There are many of us inside this dude. Our name is Legion, because we are so many. And then Jesus casts all these demons, this legion, into a herd of pigs. Why pigs, you ask? Obviously, because there weren't any cats around, right? But Jesus, Jesus sends them into a herd of pigs. And then the possessed pigs, they run over a cliff. And they wind up drowning as Jesus casts out this demon. Now, some people might say, AJ, do you really believe like in demons? Like, isn't that, that's like fairy tale stuff. Do you really believe in that? And my answer to that is yes, because I believe in Jesus. And Jesus believed in demons. And I just, personally, I just kind of go with the guy who rose from the dead, right? Because that's something I hope to be able to do someday and to be able to have eternal life with God. And so I just trust Jesus because he's the only one who's really done that. Now, now, some people might ask, well, do you think you've ever personally encountered demons in your life? And my answer would be probably more often than I've realized. Probably more often than I realize. And I'll give you an example. I actually wrestled with whether or not to share this story with you guys this morning because I, I thought some of you might look at me and go, you're weird. But then I realized over the last couple of years, many of you believe that already. So I, I went ahead and I'm going to tell you this story. When I was a college student um, on the Mid-Atlantic District of the Church of the Nazarene, which covers Maryland, D.C., Delaware, Southern Pennsylvania, um, I led a ministry team, a student ministry team called the Impact Team. And one weekend a month, we would travel around, group of teenagers, we would travel around to different churches, and we would lead the service. We would lead worship, we would do skits, we would, um, I would give a short message. And one time, we had gone to this small rural church on the Maryland-Pennsylvania line, and I just got a creepy vibe when we got there on this trip. Right off the bat, things started going badly. I think we were traveling down a road to get there and one of our vehicles, a deer ran out and like ran into us, okay? Um, several teens, once we got there on our team, started falling ill, getting sick. Others started just bickering. There was fighting and bickering going on with one another. And then uh, about an hour before the service started, this, the only way I can describe her is this, this really creepy woman tapped me on my shoulder as we were setting up and getting ready in the sanctuary. And, and, I, and I turned, and she smiled at me. But it wasn't a friendly smile. It was a really creepy smile. And she whispered something. She said, you're not wanted here. And then she went, and she sat in the back of the sanctuary, still with that creepy grin on her face. Well, I, I didn't know what to do. But I, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, you guys need to stop what you're doing and you guys need to get together and pray. And so we gathered the team, 
about 20 teenagers. We went into a back room of the church, and we began to pray. And we prayed that, that God would heal the people on our team who were feeling sick, that God would take control of our attitudes and emotions to stop the fighting and to help us love one another better and to love the people that we were going to meet that night. We even prayed for the creepy old lady who didn't want us there. And this feeling of peace suddenly came over our entire team. Well, to make a long story short, the service that night actually went really, really well. Several people came to the altar at the end of service and they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But at the end of the service, I looked and, and that creepy old lady, she was, she was nowhere to be seen. So later I, I went to the pastor of the church and, and I, just, I just asked him a little bit about who that lady was. I, I figured she was probably somebody who had like a mental illness or, you know, or something like that. And he was like, we don't have anybody matching that description who goes to this church. He couldn't think of a single person in his congregation who matched that description. And to this day, I'm convinced that we were probably dealing with some spiritual warfare that night, maybe even the presence of a demonic force. The spirit world, as we've talked about in this series, is very, very real. And today, what I want us to do, my goal really, is for us to get a broad understanding of the forces of darkness and how they operate. So let's start today by examining this question. Where did Satan even come from? Where'd he come from? Scripture teaches us that Satan wasn't always a bad guy. In fact, ages and ages ago, Satan was an angel, one of God's best and most beautiful angels, known as Lucifer, often called the morning star. Well, what happened? Well, Satan became jealous of God. And somewhere along the line, wanted to become like God, wanted to replace God. Instead of Jesus, who said, Father, thy will be done, and humbled himself, Lucifer, this beautiful angel, said, my will be done. My will be done. My will be done. I, I, me, me. In fact, five times in Scripture, we see this angel wanting to be like God, desiring to be like God. And here's the account. It's found in Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14. And it says this, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, check out how many times the word I comes up here. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I, on the utmost Heights of, of the mountain Zephon. I, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And God said, uh-uh, son, no, you won't. No, you won't. No one can ever be me. I am holy and perfect and righteous. I'm the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the king of the universe. And when this beautiful angel challenged God, God cast him out of heaven and a third of the angels followed him. And most biblical scholars believe these became the demons. Revelation 12 says it like this. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan 
who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. When Lucifer said, I will be like God, God said, no, you won't, and cast him down to earth. Interesting story. This is really the same sin that we find in the Garden of Eden, right? With the fall of Adam and Eve and original sin entering into the world. The serpent whispers the same lie. If you eat that fruit, you're going to be like God. That's the same thing that Satan fell for, the same sin And now we have this force of of darkness to deal with. His name is Satan, and his angels became the demons. Now, as we talk about this today, we have to recognize the reality that not every bad thing that happens in life is because of demons. For example, if you woke up this morning with a bad hair day, that doesn't mean your hair is possessed by a demon, okay? Come out of me, you demon of bad hair. Don't, Don't do that, okay? If your kids are acting up, You don't need to start casting demons out of them, maybe occasionally. It could just be they need a nap or they're in middle school, okay? Middle schoolers often get confused with the demon possessed. I I do acknowledge that. So not every bad problem in life is because of a demon. But what we want to do today is we want to look at four things. We want to be able to recognize four things that demons do in the world around us. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. The first one is this. Number one is this. We need to recognize that demons can influence the leaders of nations. That demons can influence the leaders of nations. Maybe you watch the world news and you've thought to yourself, man, what is going on in our world today? It just seems so dark and evil, especially in in some countries around the world. Like, what are they doing? What are they thinking? Well, behind those leaders might be demonic forces at work trying to bring about the will of Satan. In the book of Daniel, you know, we see this illustrated. In Daniel 13, we looked at this verse a few weeks ago, but it says this. It says, for for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. If you remember this, this story, Daniel had prayed. He was really struggling, and he, he had prayed to God. He's like, God, do you even see me? Do you know what's going on right now? And for 21 days, there was silence. He didn't hear a response. He didn't feel the presence of God. He felt all alone. And then an angel of the Lord came to him and said, Daniel, from the moment you started praying, God released me to come to you, but an evil spirit of the Persian kingdom blocked my way and we did battle until the archangel Michael came to help me so I could get away and get to you. Behind the scenes, behind the scenes in the spirit world, we see demonic forces trying to influence governments and world regions. And that's why when you look throughout history and you look at some of the horrific things that have happened in the history of the human race, you think about Hitler and Nazi Germany and the Holocaust, and you think about genocide in in Africa and Darfur and places like that in the world. You think about places today, in the world today, where human slavery exists and human sex trafficking is happening unopposed by governments, places where the leaders of governments actually persecute and take the lives of anyone who claims the name of Jesus. Maybe you didn't realize that, but this morning we have brothers and sisters in areas of the world where they have to have service in hiding because if they got caught, they would be arrested 
tortured or even killed. Well, what's behind that? Well, we have the forces of darkness and demons at work in the world today, influencing governments and leaders. What else? Number two, demons desire to inflict pain and suffering. Plain and simple. I'll show you a story about this found in Scripture. And as you read it, I want you to just envision something, if you will, for me. If you're, if you're a parent here this morning, if you're a grandparent, I mean, even if you don't have kids, you have like a niece or a nephew, I just want you to imagine a little kid, four, five, six years old, and this kid is doing crazy things, trying to throw themselves into a bonfire when you have a, a cookout or, a, you know, a, you're cooking s'mores outside in the fall and they try to jump in the fire. Or they go to the deep end of the swimming pool and throw themselves in when they can't swim. Just crazy things like that. This is exactly what's going on in the time of Jesus. The story is found in Matthew 17, 15. And a father comes to Jesus begging him for help. And here's what he says, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. So this demon was attacking a small child, trying to harm him and kill him. And what happened? Jesus confronts the demon who's trying to destroy a little kid. If demons will attack little children, what do you think they want to do to you? They want to kill and destroy and harm everything that matters to the heart of God. So Satan and his demons, they try to influence leaders of nations. They try to inflict pain and suffering upon you. Another thing is this, number three, demons try to lure us away from God. Demons work to lure us away from God. They study us. I mean, they've studied the human race for thousands and thousands of years. They know our weaknesses. And they want to do anything they possibly can to lure us away from God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, they never want you to get there. If you are a follower of Jesus, they want your life to be so ineffective. They want to distract you and pull you away from the things of God. Maybe you have a weakness for shiny new things. You're always looking at what the next thing is that you want to get or you want to purchase. And all of a sudden, you'll see this commercial for something you've really been thinking about, but you know you can't afford, and it just seems like a great deal, and so you charge it on a credit card, and you wind up in debt. It could be you're vulnerable to the temptation of lust. Somebody walks by you, and you're like, check her out. Look at her body. Look at him. They're so hot. Demons will use anything to lure you away from God. Here's how it's described in 1 Timothy 4.1. It says, the Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon their faith and follow deceiving spirits and the things taught by demons. So again, what are they trying to do? They're influencing leaders of nations around the world. They're trying to hurt anyone they can, causing pain and suffering. They're trying to, to lead us away from God, distract us, lead us into traps of temptation and sin. One more we're going to look at today. Number four, demons want to paralyze us with fear and anxiety. They want to cripple us with fear and anxiety. They want you to go through life worried and anxious and always stressed out about something. Some of you are living there right now. You're anxious all the time. You're worried all the time. Thoughts are always going through your head. You're scared and anxious about this pandemic. 
You're overwhelmed about politics. You worry about your kids. What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to their future? You're, you're worried sick about school or work or your marriage. You're paralyzed with fear about your health or about the health of someone who you deeply love. You're worried about what's going to happen to my future. Why? Because Satan, through his demons, is trying to paralyze you, cripple you with anxiety and fear. And that stinking thinking, those thoughts that constantly come into your head, into your mind. Here's what 2 Timothy 1 says. It says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. A spirit of fear, did you know, church, is a very real spirit. But unlike the Holy Spirit, it doesn't come from God. It comes from the evil one who wants you to be paralyzed, who wants you to be ineffective in this life. Understand this and never forget it. Satan and his demons, they hate you. They despise you. They want to destroy you. And so you must be ready for battle and to do it God's way. How do we battle against the forces of darkness? Three practical things we're gonna look at regarding this topic today before we end this morning. Number one is this, never treat our enemy lightly. Never treat our enemy lightly. Some people don't even wanna consider this topic and they just kinda of brush it aside and they're like, I don't even wanna worry about that, I don't even wanna think about that, I'm not even sure if that's real. No matter what, don't treat the enemy lightly. Here's what we learn in Jude 1.9. It says, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Even when the glorious archangel Michael is doing battle against the devil, he didn't trash talk the devil saying, you're nothing, you're weak, you're powerless, you're U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you're ugly, okay? He didn't do any of that. He said, this is ultimately the Lord's battle. The Lord already has victory in this battle. The Lord rebuke you. There, there's a fascinating story in Acts chapter 19 about these, these seven brothers known as the seven sons of Sceva. And they thought they were able to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, even though they weren't actually followers of Jesus, they maybe saw some of the disciples doing it, and they figured, hey, how hard is that? We could do that. We could, this could be a gig for us. And so one time they found a demon-possessed man, and they approached him. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches about, come out of him. And the demon inside this man stopped and looked at the seven sons and started laughing and said, we know who Jesus is. We know who Paul, we've heard of this Paul guy, but who are you? And scripture says this one demon-possessed man whooped these seven men so badly they came out of the house naked and bleeding. When you get beat until you're butt naked, that's a beating. Can we agree with that this morning? And this story, this story clearly teaches us this principle that we should never treat our enemy lightly. The second principle is this. Number two, don't flirt with darkness and evil. Pretty, pretty straightforward one. Don't flirt with darkness and evil. Don't open the door to that stuff in your life. 
Never flirt with the things of darkness. For example, maybe as a kid, you did what I did. Now, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I used to go over to my buddy's house, and we would watch tons and tons of horror movies. And then I would go home and have nightmares. Don't put that trash in your brain. It only increases fear in your life and anxiety in your life and stress in your life. Maybe you used to play, you know, a little game at sleepovers, and you'd pull out a Ouija board, and you'd ask dumb questions. Oh, spirit, does he like me? Does she like me? Yes or no? Scripture teaches don't mess around with that stuff. Don't mess around with the occult and forces of darkness. Why? Here's what Scripture says in Deuteronomy 18, verse 10 through 11. It says, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. And let me add one other thing, especially to the parents. Guard what goes in the minds of your children, especially your young children. Because guess what? One day God's going to hold you accountable of what you did when they were under your care. I served for many years as a children's pastor. For a decade, I was a children's pastor and family pastor at a church in Maryland. And it surprised me to no end what some kids from Christian families in elementary school were putting in their brains. I would ask a question in children's church like, hey, what's your favorite movie, kids? And again, I was talking to kindergartners through fifth graders. What's your favorite movie? And I'm thinking they're going to say, oh, The Lion King, you know, Frozen, kids in fifth, fourth, even third grade. You know some of the answers I got? Saw. Nightmare on Elm Street or some other graphic horror movie. And again, these were kids of professed Christian parents, even church leaders. Guard your heart and mind. Guard the hearts and minds of your children. Number one, don't treat the enemy lightly. Number two, never flirt with darkness, evil. Last one, then we'll end today. Number three, don't fight with your power. Fight with God's authority. Don't fight with your power. Fight with God's authority. We fight in the authority of God through the name of Jesus. Check out what it says in Matthew 10.1. It says this, that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them, what's that next word, church? Authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. Jesus just didn't give them power. He gave them authority. He gave them the authority to fight in his power. And there's a big, big difference between fighting in your own strength and power and fighting in the authority of Christ's power. For example, if I, after church today, if I went out on Route 1 and I decided I was going to stop traffic and I pulled my car over, got in the middle of the street, put my hand out, told people to stop, started yelling at them, people would probably start staring at me, right? They'd be like, who is this nut job? They might even tell me to, to peel the banana as they drove by, right? But if I was a police officer in uniform and, and I, I put my cruiser over with the lights on on the shoulder and I got out into the street in full uniform and I said, stop, guess what? Traffic's going to stop. Why? Because I was stopping traffic not in my own authority as some person. I'm stopping traffic in the authority of the government that stands with me that's represented by the badge on my chest. 
When we do spiritual battle, we should never battle just in our own strength and power. We battle in the authority of Jesus Christ because scripture says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. By his power, we can have victory. See church, there's, there's a spiritual battle going on around us. And this battle is very real. There's an evil force that is more wicked than you could ever imagine that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything, everything that matters to the heart of God. This evil wants to destroy your family, your marriage, your children, your finances, your health, and ultimately your relationship with God. That's what he's really after. Therefore, don't battle in your own power. Instead, battle in the authority of who you are in Christ Jesus. So how do we fight? We fight with spiritual weapons. We fight with faith. We fight with prayer. We put on the full armor of God and we attack with the word of God. And, and here's the big one. We submit our lives fully to God. We go all in. We make God number one in every area of our life. There's some of you right now, and if you're being honest, you'd say, you know what, if I'm truly being real today, I know I'm not fully submitted to God. Maybe partially, maybe kind of, sort of. Prayed a prayer once, wanted to get fire insurance. Here's the first step to having victory over the forces of darkness in your life. Go all in with God. The brother of Jesus, James, he said it like this in James 4, verse 7 and 8, last verse we'll look at this morning. He said, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. Draw close. Come near to God and he will come near to you. When you submit to God, when you go all in, when you make him first in your life, his Holy Spirit comes inside and it fills you and it gives you strength and power to resist the attacks of the devil. And scripture says he will flee, not he might flee. He will flee, he cannot stay. And then James says, when you come near to God, when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. That's the key to victory. That's powerful. That's what we're going to do right now. Can we pray together, church? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that we can fight from a position of victory in Christ instead of simply for victory on our own. God, I pray today that supernaturally, you would begin to do some things in the lives of your people that only you can do. Some of you this morning, you might recognize right now, you might say, honestly, pastor, I feel like I'm under spiritual attack. There are so many things I'm struggling with in my life. Fear, anxiety, things I'm worried about, about myself, about people I love. If you would say today, you know what, pastor AJ, I'm feeling spiritually attacked. Would you please pray for me this morning? If that's you today, would you just be really bold and transparent right now? Just lift your hand. 
Say, I'm under spiritual attack. I need some prayer. Pastor, would you pray for me? Praise God. I'm so thankful. I love my church. So thankful for real people who don't just come here as a religious ritual, but they come here to be real and to make changes in their life. So many hands up in the air this morning acknowledging that they're struggling. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are all-knowing. You know every single need of every person who lifted a hand this morning. You even know the people who are too afraid to lift a hand this morning, but they've got stuff going on in their life. God, we thank you that you are ever-present. We thank you that just as Daniel prayed and you acted in the spiritual world and sent your angel, you are acting right now, releasing your angels, releasing your power, your love. You're the God who's willing to do battle on our behalf. God, I pray for everyone today who's feeling under spiritual attack, that you would give them the victory God, I thank you that when we, your children, pray that you act, that you move, that you care. And God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who is greater, so much greater than any darkness. So we continue to pray this morning. There's some of you, and if you're being really honest right now, you'd say, you know what? There's a battle right now. Pastor, there's a battle right now going on inside of me. You can feel it. There is something right now that's drawing you to God, that's pulling you to God, to give your life to him, to maybe take that next step and go all in with him. That's God's love and grace through his Holy Spirit. We call that the provenient grace of God, the grace that comes even before we know him. That's God drawing you, drawing your heart to him. Scripture says that you are drawn to God by his spirit. But there might be some other voices right now in the back of your head going, that's just stupid. Don't buy into that religion crap. You don't need Jesus. And you feel like your heart is just being pulled back and forth. What is that? That's a battle going on right now for you. But here's what you need to know. Here's how much God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, who was born without sin, who lived a perfect life, and who willingly laid down his life, went to the cross, and bled and died for you. He shed his blood so that the penalty of sin would fall upon his shoulders and that you could be free from your sin and that you could enter into a personal relationship with the king of the universe, that you could call the king of the universe your heavenly father, your daddy, the perfect parent that maybe some of you wished you always had, and that he would call you his daughter or his son. And 2,000 years ago, he knew you would be here today listening to this message in this service. It is no accident that you're here today or that you're watching today. And the bottom line is you have a choice. You have a choice about who's going to win the battle over your life, God or Satan. Who gets your life? Some of you right now are going to say, you know what? Today is the day. God, today is the day I'm in. 
Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're my savior. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Satan, get lost. And if that's you this morning, I just wanna, I just wanna lead you this morning in a prayer. There is nothing magical about this prayer. It is just simply a way for you to articulate, for you to communicate what's going on right now in your mind and in your heart. So if that's you this morning, would you just pray this? Would you pray with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thanks for meeting me exactly where I am. Save me from my sins. Change me. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again so that I could live for you forever. Fill me, God, with the same Holy Spirit that raised your son Jesus from the dead so that I can serve you and live for you and have victory over darkness. Thank you for new life, God. Today I give you mine. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate decisions in people's lives today? Praise God. Praise God. As we continue to worship, let's stand together and let's sing. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you, where sin runs deep your grace is more grace is found is where you are and where you are lord i am free holiness is christ in me song to rise to you when temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you 
Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Father, I pray blessings upon these, your people, this day. God, as always, we, we ask that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today, Father God. To know that we have a real enemy whose goal is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. But that God, through, through your power and strength, not through our own, we can have victory against our enemy, Father God that we can draw close to you and you will draw close to us. That we can go all in with you and you will fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit and the enemy has to flee. God, thank you for being an incredible God who loves us, who cares about us, who sees every worry and fear and anxiety that we have and who offers us something incredible, who offers us hope hope for a future, hope for an eternity with you. Thank you for being the God who loves us like that. So again, give us the wisdom to know what to do with that and give us the courage to take action in our life, to not just be people who show up to church on Sunday, sit in some rows and walk out of here back to business as usual, but to take your truth, to apply it into our lives, to make a course correction if we need to. To say, God, maybe, maybe I've, I've surrendered some to you, but not all. God, I want to go all in. To say, maybe, maybe, God, I haven't been living with you at all. But I believe you're real. I believe you love me. And today I want to take a step into a relationship with you. God, I thank you for decisions made here today. I pray that those who've made decisions would be bold enough to let somebody know, someone who invited them to church today, someone who's watching with them in a living room right now, to write us in, say, hey, I just wanted someone to know that I made a decision today. We wanna let you know this church is for you. We wanna stand beside you. We wanna support you every single step in this incredible journey of living a relationship with the God of the universe. The God who says, call me your heavenly father. You are my son. You're my daughter. I have a greater future for you. 
God, we love you. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise today in the precious name of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have an awesome week. Can't wait to see you back next week as we conclude our series, Spiritual Warfare. God bless. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Oh God.